Hello and welcome to Deeper Conversation, the podcast for Jewish women. My name is Yochaved. I am so excited that you're joining me for this episode. It was an amazing conversation that I had with my sister-in-law, Mrs. Leah Goldstein. So I'll get to that in one second, but first I do want to say thank you to my sponsor, a longtime friend. She didn't give me permission to say her name, so I won't say her name publicly, but I will publicly say thank you. There are just certain people in this world that you feel a connection with that is elevated, and it's because every interaction that you have with that person is elevated. It is about, our, our conversations are about Torah and about meaning and about things that are really important and significant and valuable to both of us. And so therefore the bond is significant and valuable, I think. Um, and I wanna just say thank you to her. And she sponsored this episode for a refuah shalema for Dov Barish Ben Shefratzivia. So please have him in mind in your tefillos. Now about this episode, my sister-in-law, Mrs. Leah Goldstein, who is one of the smartest women that I know, I am, I'm not just saying that for the sake of this episode. I'm not kidding. You'll hear when you listen. She's also one of the most learned women that I know. And she named her daughter, Nitzavet. Now, I did not know David, the name of David HaMelech's mother. King David's mother's name was Nitzavet. Certainly, I did not know the backstory behind the childhood of David HaMelech, how he was raised, and what happened um, before his birth. And because I have now a niece named Nitzavet, I started to do the research, and I thought when I started this series on extraordinary Jewish women, which you know, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, started with Rus, the grandmother of David HaMelech, great-grandmother of David HaMelech, I thought, you know, it would be great to do a profile on Nitzavet because she is such an inspiring woman that so few people know about, and so few people know the story. Hopefully this podcast will change that. So I was starting to do a little research, and then I thought, well, why would I do the research when my sister-in-law, Leah, has done it already, and why don't I just have her come onto this podcast and talk about Nitzavet, which was incredible. Like I said, just an incredible episode, an incredible story, one that is inspirational to Jewish women, to Jewish people everywhere, but specifically Jewish women, specifically, you know, if you're struggling with a child or you're in a situation where, you know, you feel really discouraged and downtrodden. It's just a very inspiring and uplifting story. So I really hope that you will enjoy it. And of course, I love to hear feedback. So if you want to email me about this, about any other podcast, if you are interested in sponsoring an episode, a deeper conversation, 120 at gmail.com is my email address. Follow me on Instagram at a deeper conversation. And thank you all for listening. Enjoy the episode. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, I am really excited about this because as I uh, will say in my introduction, when I, when I uh, record that after we're finished, I have wanted to learn about Nitzavet for a long time and I was going to do the research, but you've already done it. And I actually did not even know the name of David Hamelech's mother until you named your daughter Nitzavet. So right. I, I learned about her from you. So why do we not know about her? That's a great question. So I guess I, I think there's three reasons. I mean, two reasons, but I'll add something to the first is that the story is kind of hard to find. It's not in Tanakh. There's like an obscure, obscure reference in uh, the Medrash on Tehillim, the Yalkana Machiri, mm-hmm. on the words uh, Evan Masu Habonim. And her name is listed in the Gemara in Bavasra, but not her story. Just that, you know, David Amal's mother was Yitzhavet Sada. And then uh, this, I, I think the second reason is it's a little bit awkward. You know, it's not like you're typical kid's bedtime story. There's like some bedroom intrigue, some mockery, cruelty, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough story. Right. And, and the third one is, yeah, I don't know, but uh, I did my part to try to change it by uh, 
naming my middle daughter niece of it, and she's fabulous, so it worked out. She is fabulous. And I'll tell you a funny story, actually, because you named your daughter Nitzavet, a lot of people definitely will say, oh, that's such an interesting name. Like, where's that from? My sister right. was, I think, in high school when your Nitzavet was born and her Navi teacher came into class and said, OK, I'm going to ask a trivia question that I don't think anybody here is going to know the answer to. But what was the name of David HaMelech's mother? And my sister, of course, raised her hand. I was like, oh, I know, I know. And she you know, got to sound like she was the super Tanakh whiz because you yeah. named your daughter Nitzavet. <laughs> um, but maybe let's, <laughs> maybe let's go and um, talk about her story. Like what exactly happened that either we don't know her story. I mean, there's an, let's, there's an interesting story about how David HaMelech was born. So maybe you yeah. can tell us about that a little bit. Okay, sure. So, um, yeah, and my sources pretty much are the, the Yalkut Amachir I mentioned briefly, and also the Sefer HaTodah has a whole section um, during the month of Sivan for, for Shavuos, where he kind of goes back and gets into the story. Slight, some slight differences, but the, the bottom line is you kind of have to go back a few generations. Um, the, the nations of Ammon and Moab were supposed to be kind of close with us, like brothers, you know, Avram Loth. And uh, because of some pretty bad behaviors, the, the people of Ammon not giving bread and water to, to B'nai Israel, and Moab sending the women to, you know, to try to entice B'nai Israel to sin. So the the Gemara quotes that, that the halacha, because it says right in the Torah that you know Ammon and Moab can't marry into B'nai Israel in Devarim, but the Gemara says, Amoni velo Amonis, Moave velo Moavis, that the, the prohibition of marrying into Klai Yisrael is only the men of those nations. Right, hence the story of Rus. Right, exactly. The story of Rus and the whole Ploni Alamoni refusing to marry her at, because he does, he's worried about what his lineage would look like in the future. So Boaz was a great Tzaddik and a big Talmud Chacham and the head of, you know, Sanhedrin, this, that. So he wanted to show, I mean, when he married Rus, obviously he was trying to do, you know, a, a version of Yibam, but also because he wanted to publicize that halacha is, you are allowed to marry a female convert from Moab. And so he married her. And it was big news. Right. The only problem was that he died that night after marrying Rus. So everyone, all, all the naysayers, you know, there's always, the crowd that loves the drama, they all said, you see, you right. made a mistake. Nothing and changes, right? <laughs> People yes. still do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. So, Ruth became pregnant that night. She gave birth to Oved, who was the father of Yishai, who was the father of David. Um, so, from after Boaz's death, the argument flared up again, and people said, no, you see, we learned from this, you can't marry a female from Moab either. And it was not so clear. Mm-hmm. Ovid was a great tzaddik. Yishai was an incredible tzaddik, says he never sinned. And people saw, wait a minute, they're so great, it must be that they are kosher, that their ancestry is okay. Because there's no way such tzaddikim and leaders of Kali Yisrael would uh, be not allowed to be in, in Kali Yisrael. So, <clears throat> but then Yishai had all these sons, they said this is like a chut three generations of great, you know, holy people. Clearly, it's okay. And Oved and Yishai married regular, wonderful women in Klai Yisrael. Yishai's wife was Nitzavet. And they had, uh, I believe it was seven sons and two daughters. It says in one place six sons, the other one says seven. But bottom line is that they were 
you know, Yishai was the head of the Sanhedrin. He was, you know, like one of the most respected in Kalah Yisrael. And at some point later in Yishai's life, after he had all these children, he, the Yalkin says he was like, he felt terrified of, of hate. And, you know, he never sinned his whole life. And the doubters got to him. And he said, what if I'm really not allowed to be married to a Jew? That's such an interesting thing because he already had all these kids. Right. Like it wasn't like in the beginning when he first got married, was he, you know, like, was he not believing like the evidence before his eyes? Like, eyes, like you said, like Oved was a tzaddik, Yishai was a tzaddik, right. and then he had all these wonderful kids. And right. like, it's, I mean, what happened? I don't know if you could answer yeah, that question, but like. The, 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 um, Sefer Toda, I, ha- I have her in front of me. He says, that he was worried, at the time of his old age, you know, he was afraid that Boaz in his court made a mistake and right. that he's puzzled and, and that he'd be doing a sin by living with his wife because not her status, because of his status, you know. Right. So uh, he decided that the appropriate thing just to be safe was to separate from her, mm. from Nisevet. And just the family knew about it, you know, that the, the kids and himself, and a few years had passed, and I, I his, again, according to which story, but his, his Talmudim apparently knew about it and said to him, you know, it's not right for you to live alone, and you should, you know, continue trying to have children, so why don't you do get your, a Kanani, a maidservant, a, a Shifra Kananis, and make an, a, an agreement that if you're really a, a, true, a true Jew in Kla Yisrael, and you're fine, and Rus was fine, then you, the shifcha is freed. It's, it's called a uh, get shifcha, that the shifcha becomes a regular Jew, a free person, and he's allowed to be married to her. And if Rus was not allowed to call Hashem, and Yisha is not okay, then she stayed a shifcha Kananis, and Kananis is allowed to, shifcha Kananis is allowed to be married to a Moavi convert. Mm-hmm. So that was the plan that uh, they came up with. So like a win-win and for him. Yeah. Okay. So the shifcha, though, was uh, apparently close with Nisevet, and she said, uh, here's what is going down. So Nisevet said, okay, here's what we'll do. I'm going to switch with you. You stay with him, and as soon as the lights go down, switch places with me. And that is what they did. And I don't know, the... the, uh, I won't, I won't add my own opinion about the likelihood of that working, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they actually, Galka Machiri says in Eish Hashem that it was, uh, you know, Hashem made it happen. He was unaware, and Nitzavet became pregnant from that. And he actually says that after uh, Yishai said that he felt it wasn't really right, and so he wasn't going to do that again. That's such an interesting, just like as a sidestep from this story, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. but there's a few, like, stories like this in... The Torah. So you have Yaakov with yeah. Rachel and Leah. Like he didn't realize that it wasn't Rachel. And then you have later right. on with Yehud and Tamar, like it was his daughter-in-law. He didn't know that it was her. And now here right. with David and Yishai, like, I don't know. It just seems like these events happen in a way that it just almost like begs the imagination to like wonder yeah. something. Like what? It, what is it? Like Hashem just wanted this, like this event to happen so that this child could come out. Like certainly in the case of Tamar, we see that also, right? But it's right. just, it's such an interesting thing that we see sort of repeat itself, a pattern that happens or has happened a few yeah, times. 
a hundred percent. And there's a beautiful introduction in Art Scrolls um, edition of Rus, where where they talk about that the whole this is all like in the same line of Malchus Beis David and why Hashem wanted that eventually that Melech Hamashiach will, will have all this questionable uh, lineage and, and stories and everything that you know well, are why, not so pure as pure as the driven snow kind of you know right I mean why like why does like I guess ultimately where Mashiach comes from have this these like questionable right. stories what what does it say right. there like what's the answer I mean it, it's there there are a lot of different different thoughts on it and I, I can't do them justice to that degree I don't think but I, I think one of the ones that that resonated with me is just the idea that you know, it's that we're humans and there's the Yetzirah and, you know, we we, uh, we do our best and Hashem is really making the plans behind the scenes and we just need to to do our best, you know, and, and to uh, right. to do what's right in our in our view and right. what Hashem is doing behind the scenes is, right. you know. I mean, it's certainly interesting. Yeah, it's certainly interesting that there the way that Hashem orchestrated events that Boaz died that night. And so there was this sort of deliberate vagueness over the yeah. question about whether or not a Moavia woman is an accepted convert. I mean, obviously that's deliberate and there seems to be like, almost like it was part of what was necessary for this line to thrive was to have the struggle to legitimize themselves or to have to prove their legitimacy in front of Klal in some way. Right. Right. That it wasn't just the, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So going back to the story. So she, so Nitzavet switched places with the maidservant. Um, Yishai right. afterwards said, "You know what? This is, I'm not going to do this again." But didn't never realize that it was Nitzavet, and then she gets pregnant with David Hamelach from this encounter. Correct? Exactly. And uh, it says, I mean, this is kind of uh, a little harsh and hard for us to understand, but it says that Yishai's sons were so horrified and, and furious that uh, their mother was, you know had committed adultery, obviously, and, and this child was going to be a mamzer and part of their family. They, they tried to convince Yisha that she, she should be brought to court and executed. So they and never knew, like she didn't say anything, is what you're saying? She did not say a word, not a word of what happened. Okay. And they said she's compared to Tamar, to her, to, to uh, you know, the, the you then Tamar story that you referenced earlier, that she was willing to be you know, terribly embarrassed, and in Tamar's case, burnt alive rather than embarrassed Yehuda. It said that somehow, it, it doesn't spell out exactly whether it was a, you know, a, a voice from Shemayim or what, but that she knew, it says she knew that she needed to be silent and not disclose it yet, and Hashem would disclose it when appropriate. So she didn't say anything. And she didn't say anything for 28 years. And David was humiliated, mocked, despised. He was treated as a monster. And that was actually what Yishai had said. He said, don't, we're not going to kill her. We're not going to bring her to court. She's a great woman. He, you know, she was me seven. She was the mother of all his sons. He knew who she was. So he said, something is not right here. I don't understand it. We don't understand it. Leave her be and we'll treat this child like a monster so everyone will know that something's wrong with him and he won't get married. Wow. But we don't know what happened. You so, know? so she lived, I guess, separately from that point on from Ishai, one would presume, if he suspected right. her of adultery, but wasn't willing to bring her to court or didn't know what was going on. Um, right. And David HaMelech grew up, um, I guess, it, I mean, the Navi says it clearly in several different places. When Shmuel came, like, they didn't even consider him one of Ishai's sons. 
to be brought before right. Shmuel, right? So and completely despised. It was I, I can do that part of the story also. If yeah, you want. please, but, please. Yes. But, yeah, but basically, I think it's Samach Tess. Yeah, in Tehillim, you know, how he was um, despised and neglected and, and just treated so terribly. Um, and that was kind of by design. But, you know, he so he grew up knowing what it, you know, feels like to be friendless and, and a stranger and constantly uh, humiliated. So, um, yeah, so for 28 years, that was the situation. He, they sent him out away from everybody to take care of the sheep without much protection. And during those times is when, you know, he killed the lion and the bear and, you know, wrote many of the Tehillim, you know, the, the beautiful passages of Tehillim. But uh, at, at when he was 28 years old, was when Hashem told Shmuel, go to Beis Lechem and I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to tell you who to appoint as king. Go to the family of Yishai. So he went and called a big feast and told Yishai to bring his sons. And they all came. And, you know, each one is uh, more good-looking and handsome and, and perfect-looking. And, uh, you know, he saw Aliyah of the oldest and said, ah, you know, Mashiach Hashem is here. You know, Hashem said, no, 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 don't, don't look at his external appearance. I know his heart. He's not going to be the Melech. And that for each of the sons it happened. And finally Shmuel said, Hatamu Hanaram, are there any more sons? Are there any more boys? And uh says like, well, there's another one. He didn't call him his son. He didn't think he was his son. All right. I there's saw another that child in my household. Right. So then they brought him and uh th- there's actually a little side note that that he it says that when they called to David he had such respect for, for the Navi that he stopped at home to, to clean himself up. You know, he was a shepherd in the field. And he said, said what, what's going on? And, you know, she knew that they were all at this feast, but um, he, he told her he doesn't know. He was just called by the Navi, so uh, she went with him. Mm. So anyway, that's the, then the story, you know, in the Navi that David, I mean, that Shmuel was sitting and David showed up and he saw him and he's, says he had red hair and Yefei Naim, you know, but he didn't have the, the great height of Shaul and, and the other, you know, mm-hmm. typical leaders. And the red showed he was like bloodthirsty. And, uh, you know, Shmuel was like, well, what's the story here? And Hashem's like, get up, you know, you're sitting and then Mashiach Hashem is right in front of you. So he, yes, so he started to anoint him and, you know, the, the, the cod, you know, the, the container, I think it was the different kinds of containers, depending on what kind of malchus it is, but the oil bubbled up, and when he poured it on David, it, like, glistened into precious stones, you know? All right, I saw that, Madrash. And so, so and he yeah. got to witness that whole thing. Right, so actually, she said the words, that's what the Yalkana Machiri is on the words, Eben Masuabono, because as this was happening, she said the stone that the builders despised is now the Rosh Pina, the cornerstone. Right. And then the response of the brothers, right? Was it the... I, right. Was, Me'eth Hashem, I says, You know, then, then the whole story came out, you know, and she was able to, uh, to tell what had, what had actually happened and that he was totally kosher and fine. So, yeah, that's the story. 
Wow. So well, a few things from the story. So the first thing is, is that you said all like a lot of the Tehillim that David wrote, certainly about being downtrodden, were written during right. that time when he was despised, which is, you know, very inspiring to think about because it, you know, you think David ben Yishai, he was the son of Yishai, who was one of the most important people in Klai Yisrael. That really wasn't his experience at all. That right. he, he did not right. grow up as part of an important family. And not only that, but his he was living with the people who did get that credit. So Muslim even made it worse, right? Like even harder right. to see his brothers right. getting sort of the, you know, benefit of family ichos and he didn't have it. And presumably David HaMelech right. knew Nitevet's story the whole time. I mean, he was 28 years old when this happened. It wasn't like he was a little kid. Right. It says that she, she constantly told him that he's Sahar and he's great and, and that, you know, he, he, he is okay. And that, you know, he needs to just be right. strong and, and this is Hashem's will and, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if he knew the actual whole story, but he certainly, she had somehow conveyed to him that, you know, he was, uh, that he was okay. Well, his lineage was pure. Yeah. This is really part of the most incredible part. This is the most incredible part of the story to me, really. I mean, and I guess we weren't there, so we don't know what, like what family dynamics were like in those days, but it sounds like David HaMelech was raised primarily by his mother. Yes. Right. He lived with his mother. I mean, we call him David Ben Yishai, and that's obviously. I mean, like you said, Yishai was a tzaddik. He died without sin, right. so he certainly wouldn't cast any aspersions on Yishai. And presumably, obviously, this was all part of a greater picture. But she didn't live with him, and he was despised and didn't live with them. So everything that David right. Hamelach was is really attributable to, or attributed his to Nitzavet, right? And, and the way that she was behind him. What does he call himself? He says, "Ani avdecha ben amasecha." Right? I am your servant, the son of your maid servant. He doesn't say the son of Yishe. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. It's a different way to look at that pasuk, certainly. And yet she doesn't get it. <laughs> we don't know about her. Right. All right. I mean, whatever she did, yeah. like you said, like she, you know, was constantly working on his self-esteem, helping him. I mean, I mean, just think about, obviously, <laughs> it's not necessarily the same, but for mothers out there who are listening to this and your child is bullied or your child is going through a difficult thing and, you know, in the moment it could seem so hopeless. She didn't, you know, she had to wait 28 years to realize like how, you know, how all her efforts were not in vain, telling him, don't, you know, right. don't feel bad. This person insults you. That one insults you. I'm sure they called him names. I think I read something to that effect that he was, uh, yeah. um, it's such an incredible story. And so does, is there any information about what happened after he was then anointed between Yitzhavet and Yishai? Like he took her back, I'm assuming, or anything? Does, I, I have never seen any, any other, uh, any, any, I guess, post, you know, any notes <laughs> right. that describes what happened after. But I assume at that point there was no halakhic issue since right. the Hashem is now, you know, clearly from Rus. Right. And that the lineage was fine and that she had not committed adultery. And so I would assume that uh, it was all good at that point. But, right. you know. Another incredible thing about the story also. So you said when, she, you know, when he was anointed, she said, um, Evan Maso Habonim, right? The stone that was despised right. by the builders has become the cornerstone. Right. And then the brothers responded, This is from Hashem. It's wondrous in her eyes, which right. I guess... Also speaks very highly of the brothers because here they're confronted with how they've been behaving for 28 years and immediately accepting that the one that they had looked down on and had the 
the right. the brother that they had despised actually now is there has been raised above them. Right. So so true. Yeah, that they accepted that and understood it. Well, immediately recognized that this was from Hashem. I guess. Right. Um, such an incredible story. So I guess what do, what is your takeaway like for uh, you know all the people listening to this who maybe never heard about Nitzavet. Um, and if we could do anything to let people know about her, that's amazing. But what, what is the lesson from her story, do you think? I think the first one is that he was so despised and humiliated and mocked. But I think that Hashem felt that a great leader of Claudius Israel needs to know what that feels like, to be friendless. And like, in order to be a true shepherd of Hashem, he saw his nature, that he took care of the sheep so diligently and that that he truly cared and he understood what it was like to be a lowly member of society. And so when he rose to such great heights, both, you know, in terms of power and, and, you know, in terms of holiness and everything else as David Amelach, he uh, had that part of him that he totally understood what everyone was going through and, and, you know, from, from the lowest to the highest and he could relate and be a true king for every one of them. All right. I saw that something um, similar actually in Tehillim with Yosef, that he went into jail to be, or he came out to be, or he went into jail to come out and be a leader. And I think Rashi there says something to that effect, that that experience of being in jail is what in fact made him a leader of being right. powerless and being right. helpless. And he needed that. All right. So I guess that's a good that's lesson. You know, to, I have one more takeaway also. That yeah. I think. And, and that's really reflecting on, on Nisevet's incredible inner strength. Mm. And, you know, I remember I, I was on bed rest before Nisevet was born for five months, and that's when I, I had time to research all this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what a woman. I read about her, and I just, like, blown away. I said, that's, that's the kind of woman you want to name your child after. She gave up her status, the respected Rebetzin, the wife of the great Isha, you know. She, she was accused of being an adulteress, embarrassed, degraded, humiliated, and, and she held herself back. She, like Tamar, you know, we said that she... Uh, she controlled herself and didn't reveal what happened, and she just had such strength of character. What a, what a person. Right. It's really just incredible. And presumably what a, um, you know, what a great mother. I mean, Isha knew her, right. so just the whole story is just so incredible. Um, and I think, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. Leah, thank you so much. Sure. I like I what said, yeah, I was gonna, I was starting to do the research, and then I'm like, oh, just ask Leah. And my <laughs> <audience."> <laughs> this is really Pleasure. great. Yes, and, uh, at Amir Hashem, uh, we have a lot to talk about on future podcasts. I think there's a lot that I could ask you about that is not just about this one particular story. So I hope you'll come back and do another episode with me uh, sometime in the future. I'd be happy to help. It would be, uh, as I said, an honor and always fun to talk to you. Great. Thanks a Anything. lot, Leah. Okay. I'll talk soon. Best. Yep. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and were as inspired as I was. In fact, when my producer took his headphones off at the end of our recording session, he said, oh my gosh, that was so interesting. And it will make me Davin Halal or have... Kavana in Halal in a totally different way. You think of the Pesukim, as my sister-in-law said, uh, I am the servant, the son of your maidservant. The Pasuk, of course, um, that Nitzavet said when David HaMelech was anointed was 
Um, the stone that was despised has become the cornerstone, which of course is true of Machas Beis David with relation to Klal Yisrael. And then the response of the brothers, this is from Hashem, it's wondrous in our eyes. So a whole different perspective for Halal. And like I, you know, I asked my sister-in-law Leah, please to come back on the podcast because we have so much more to talk about. Leah is um, just an incredible educator. She's the principal of Derech HaTorah Elementary School in Rochester, New York, which is an incredible elementary school, totally due to Leah's leadership. Um, and I was just really grateful that we were able to have this conversation and hopefully also, um, you know, let a lot more people know about Nitzavet and what she did for Klal Yisrael. If you'd like to be in touch with me, please email me. I love to hear feedback at a deeper conversation, 120gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at a deeper conversation. If you listen regularly, you get value and you want to become a monthly supporter, go to maverickpodcasting.com, click on my page, and I will meet you back here at the next podcast.